0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a very special episode of Renegade Marquee on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Joining me is my co-captain, Tommy.
1: Greetings, Captain. It is an absolute pleasure to be amongst you this evening to discuss an important topic vital to the future of an industry we love so much. Indeed. Um, This episode is
0: going to be primarily focused on the... I'm going to call it the Entertainment Strikes because it's not just the WGA, but the Screen Actors Guild and could be could be more in the future. But for now, uh, let me introduce our special guest. Um, We have uh, Randy Loveridge. Welcome, Randy.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Uh, Special guest. What can I say? Jeez, you guys are too kind. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to talk about this because you know as we've made it clear pretty much ever since uh, the start of the writer's strike we at renegade pop culture stand with the writers and basically we just want everyone to be treat treated fairly and compensated exactly what they're worth but before we get too deep into the meat of the discussion i want to uh you know Give our guest an uh, opportunity to introduce himself to the audience. so uh, Randy, um, first first of all, just what what was it that that drove you um, that inspired you to uh, get into this industry? Uh, well, basically i've I've had the bug
2: ever since I was a kid. Uh, you know, I, I grew up with Star Wars. That was my you know first introduction into movie making and 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 what uh what entertainment could be and you know I wanted to be Luke Skywalker I wanted to you know fight Darth Vader with my lightsaber and you know and when I saw that movie it just it kicked everything off and I knew from gosh I was what maybe seven years old when I first saw it or 73 no maybe four years old four years old when I first saw it and I knew from from then that I was going to move out to California and be part of the industry Uh, with any way that I could so that that really kicked it off for me you know and and once uh once I graduated college it was a no-brainer it was you know move out to California.
0: Nice yeah I I love I love that um that like a lot of people have that like that one um like that one nexus point that just that tells them this this is where this is where I'm I'm meant to be you know yeah, I mean, you know,
2: for for me, it, I loved performing as a kid. Um, I was an only child until, you know, I was 14. Uh, so, you know, I played with the GI Joes, the Transformers, made up stories. Uh, I wrote uh, plays that, you know, my, me and my cousins would perform in my grandmother's basement. Um, my mom tells me constantly that you know i used to sing the eagles take it to the limit song at the top of my lungs as you know we were riding in the car so the performance has always been in me uh but it really didn't come out until probably college uh because i was too shy to you know be an actor in in high school but i did act in college I, i did a couple of i did about six plays in college so uh that's you know that's when I got
0: serious about things, so nice. Um, and what what was it what was it about about writing that felt like the perfect fit? Well, the interesting thing about that was, uh, I didn't think much about writing
2: professionally or seriously until uh, college. I took a intro to creative writing course. and like I was horrible in school. I'll just be honest with you guys. I was horrible, you know,. Uh, I skated by, I got the C's, I got a couple of Bs, and A was, you know, way out there. But the creative writing class I nailed. I just nailed it. It's the first time I like I ever got an A plus in a class. And you know, the teacher loved my writing and was like, you know, you should think about, you know, doing this professionally in some way. And so obviously I had my California dreams already planted in my head. Um, and I knew that I was going out to California. Um, and I thought, well, let's try and pursue a writing career in California, you know, um, as well as an
0: acting career. what What is it about a guild? Like what is it that they provide for writers? I think that's I think that's a good kind of foundation place to start this discussion.
2: Well, a guild, just like any basic union, gives the member certain benefits um protections against uh being exploited um, being underpaid being uh taken advantage of by companies um you know the wga is no different than IATSE or the uaw or any union out there that protects its workers from the company that they're working for um just because there is an increase in the cost of living just in just because there is um companies who make more money doesn't mean that those companies automatically pay for the uh, the adjustment in the cost of living or pay correctly because they've made more money you know it's it's the guild does their best to make sure that those travesties don't happen, but they're under contract for a number of years. So as long as you're in a contract for say three or four years, the guild can't really do anything until the next contract comes up. You're pretty much stuck under the contract guidelines, you know, even if the cost of living living does go up, even if, you know, the companies make a bazillion dollars, you're still under that contract for that period of time. Um, But the guilds get us there. You know the guilds fight to get us fair wages uh, and get us what we deserve for what we offer, and the writers offer a lot, as you can probably tell by now.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I think it's pretty clear that with without without a screenplay, you don't have you ba- you basically don't have a movie or a TV show because that is that is the foundation of what it what is uh, shot on camera
2: exactly exactly um, what's interesting from that perspective is I've worked in post for a number of years and that that's helped pay the bills uh, you know until that writing gig comes in and, and whatnot but even when you have a script even when you've had everything shot when it comes down to post-production we can take that script we can take what has been shot and we can actually change the story by editorial wise, the script doesn't necessarily, necessarily change, but the order of the scenes may change or, you know, uh, cutting certain dialogue out can change a whole entire story. So, but without the screenplay to begin with, yes, there would be nothing to shoot, nothing to edit. So it, it does start the screenplay.
0: I see. Um, now I, I do want to get a little bit more information on like um on you know the pre the previous strike which I think was 2007 2007 2008
2: were 2007 2008 yeah
0: were were you were you in the guild at or at that time No no I'm,
2: I I'm what you call the uh, pre WGA hmm. Um I'm not in the guild uh, but I have worked on a number of shows um unfortunately I am like every other aspiring writer uh, who has, you know, who's waiting for his shot. Um, but you know, I stand with the guild because I've seen the past twenty years. in In two thousand seven two thousand eight, they were fighting for uh, different things. That uh, well, they were fighting for the new streaming. Basically, uh, the streaming was just coming into its infancy in two thousand seven two thousand eight, and so you know. They got a little headway there, but streaming has exploded since then. Um, I mean, by immensely. I mean, it's just, it blew up because that's what people like to do. They, They like to stream. They don't like to, you know, rent DVDs or buy DVDs or anything like that. They want instant gratification. Where else can you get instant gratification than streaming? Because you don't have to go out. You know, you don't have to leave the comfort of your home or, you know, your Recline or whatever um it's it's a blessing and a curse in my opinion
0: it it is and i i I've, i've noticed over over like the past i guess like decade or so that's when the streaming the streaming wars have really ramped up
2: yes yes um you know there was a time when i worked at a suncoast motion picture company uh selling videos uh you know and that was great. People would come in, you know, they'd buy their movies, buy their DVDs, their Blu-rays, physical media. Physical media is what is missing in our country these days. Um, and it's it's gotten to the point where it's like vinyl. Yeah, I I firmly believe that physical media is going to come back at some point in the future um, as far as, you know, Blu-rays and, and 4Ks and 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 stuff like that but right now it's it's kind of a dying breed i mean you hardly see anything you best buy anymore but there was a time you know where you had your virgin mega stores you had your sun coast you had your blockbusters and it was a great thing to go out on a weekend or a friday night spend a couple hours amongst people renting a video you know talking to your friends and gathering and stuff like that um and it's just something that unfortunately is not there and to wrap that up into, you know, uh, the WGA and the strike that's going on 20 years ago, you used to have 22 episodes for a full season of a show and you don't have that anymore. And it's sad. It really, really is.
0: Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. Um, I think so, so far it seems like the only, the only shows that like still kind of maintain that 22, 24 episode, season is like a lot of like animated shows but for like for networks like disney or cartoon network and even and even that is sort of going the way of the dodo
2: it, it truly is I, and you're absolutely right um you know you'll get your 24 episode episodes or 22 episodes out of a simpsons season for fox um dick wolf and his law and order shows usually run around the 22 episode uh season um hit, yeah dick wolf i think his all of his chicago uh fire and chicago pd and chicago med or whatever i think they all have 22 episodes per season but that's you know that's a network that's nbc um i think cbs some of their shows have 22 episodes as well um but you know with streaming you've got six to eight episodes and you know you look at your disney uh, plus which has got uh the Star Wars and the Marvel series and whatnot those are between 6 and maybe 12 episodes
0: yeah the, the the landscape has definitely changed and maybe not quite for the better well and in my opinion it's not for the
2: better because over the the length of a full 22 episode season you can write so much more character driven stories you can find so much find out so much more about your characters and you can begin to care about the characters and you can begin to care about the stories and the storylines and where this is going with 6 to 8 to 12 episodes 12 is pretty good 12 is pretty good but like 6 to 8 episodes you have to pack a lot into each of those episodes and you know sometimes it's not enough time sometimes it's not even you know rewarding by the time you get to episode 6 you're like oh i was just getting into this show it was just getting good you know and now it's over and you know sometimes you don't know if you're going to get a second season it all depends on the,
0: the viewership of the show that's the that's the frustrating part where uh, like a recent example of this is um disney, disney and lucas films willow which yes you, which you can no longer find on on disney plus nope nope and that is a tragedy
2: because number one it was a good show very good show. Number, number two the people that created it it was on disney plus for what six months maybe at at mm-hmm. most yeah at most and so again residuals for those people non-existent residuals for the writers and for the actors non-existent all the all the people that put in that hard work for a great show like that, and Disney just takes it off the streaming service. And, you know, maybe if they'd said, oh, we're going to take it off, we're going to put it on Blu-ray or something like that. That might have helped a little bit, but it's it's a travesty that they did that. It really is. I, and it makes me angry, actually. I won't show it right now, but it
1: it, it really, it bothers me. Deserve, deservingly so. I mean, with these, with so much wonderful shows on a streaming platform, and you were talking earlier about the importance of physical media, you know, just like looking on line, I mean, obviously, you know, um, people um, can fan make, can fan make or like customize shows on Netflix, like I was just scrolling on eBay. Uh, Someone had a box set of fear street on VHS for $400 and and it's it's things (laughs) like that, things like that, that could really, if that could really go for it. If, if they decide, if someone decided, you know what, let's just do a test run, see how it happens and, and then go from there. But. The funny thing is, is while they may not see
2: it, there is a market for it. Yeah. There's a definite market for hard media for physical media All you have to do is go to kind of the uh, websites of like deepdiscount.com where you can get a ton of old movies on Blu-ray, on DVD. I mean, you could search Amazon even and type in your favorite movie and more than likely you're going to, it's going to pop up on DVD somewhere, you know, Blu-ray on somewhere and, and you can order it. But, you know, why can't you walk into a physical store like Best Buy or Target or Walmart and pick that copy up instead of, you know, waiting two or three days for it to be delivered to you. Um, It's it's just sad. It's just sad. There's a market for it. And if people are looking on eBay for old stuff like that, that just tells you there's a market for it. People will pay. People will pay for it. So. That's right. You you create it, it, they will come. It's it's funny because when I did work at Suncoast back in the day, we would sell a lot of movies, and the executives in the home entertainment department, I think, didn't really do a good job of marketing to people because we would get questions all the time of, you know, why don't they do this? You know, why don't they do that? Uh, what's the deal with letterbox? You know, why, why do I get the black bars at the top and bottom of the screen? You know, and we would inform them, the customer you know, and it would make sense to them, and then they'd pop and pick it up. But you don't have that kind of customer to consumer um, dialogue anymore. And and people just kind of nilly-willy, you know, oh, I'll pick this up or I won't pick it up, or, you know, I'll, you know, what's this aspect ratio? And they don't they don't know how to get the right information. They try to go on the internet, uh, you know, but a lot of stuff in the internet's confusing. To be honest with you, there's a reason. You know, you you got 50 million different, you know, explanations
1: for something, and only one's really true. Yeah, there's a a reason why nobody asks Jeeves anything anymore. Exactly. Who's Jeeves? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You know, um, I'll piggybacking off uh, off of uh, something he said earlier about going back to physical media but for a creative mindset such as yourself randy how when in this continuing um evolving landscape on how media is being presented from physical media to streaming and so on and so forth from that writing stamp from that creative standpoint how does one see this and ask themselves how do they how do they look and take a deep look into themselves and ask how can i be creative and 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 create something that can potentially be tailor-made to that market and how could it affect me in the long term from that from that perspective um
2: it's in in the time we're in right now especially with the strike it's very difficult to be creative right um it's it's difficult in the sense that it's much worse now in my opinion than it was during covid because covid you had a lockdown and you really couldn't do anything and you were kind of forced to be to be creative because you really didn't have anything else to do. Excuse me. Um right now with the strike going on, you want to be creative, but the powers that be are sucking the creativeness out of you. Because you do go out and pick it and you do hold the signs and you walk and you come back after, you know, four or five hours of being out in the hot sun and you don't want to you, you want to rest, you want to relax, you want to take it all in. It's tough to, you know, sit down in front of the computer and yeah, and, and get a creative juices flowing, get that idea down on paper or on the t- or on the computer screen. Um, but you, and I'm guilty of this because it, it, I've written not a lot during the strike, which is bad because I need to write more. Because uh, once the strike is over, they're going to be looking for material. Um, so, but I'm almost done with my pilot. So I, I, I I do feel good, but it's, it's very difficult. And you hope that what you do create, especially when the strike is over, will number one, sell number two, be successful and get made. And number three, entertain somebody. I think that's the biggest thing when I sit down and write something is, will this entertain somebody else? You know, um, they say, write what you know and write what you want to see. And that's that's a good idea. And I do you know try and do that. I, I like to write what I would want to see on TV or on a movie screen somewhere. But then I have to also ask myself, is this going to entertain someone else? And I'm not trying to pander to, you know uh, the internet folks out there who you know want their Marvel a certain way or want their Star Wars characters to go a certain way. Um, but when I write something, I want it to be exciting and I want it to be like, oh, this was really cool. I want to see what happens next. I want to go on that next adventure, that episode two and and so on, or God, this movie was great. Where are these characters going to go? Um, it's, it's tough because a lot of the stuff that the studios are buying, um, aren't necessarily original ideas. They, they go off what makes them money. What makes them money? IP. IP makes the studios money. Um, and it's unfortunate because you can see in the past, I would say, year or so, how Marvel's IP has kind of fallen off. People will still go and see a Marvel movie and yeah, will make course. some decent money. Um, but if you look at Ant Man and the Quantum Mania, oh, yeah. it was a decent movie, but it didn't do. That well at all, as far as you know, making a lot of money, like even the sequel or the first man did. Um, if you look at Secret Invasion on Disney Plus, in my opinion, that series was horrible, horrible. Um, they're relying on IP. And if you want to rely on IP, make sure it is good. Make sure the movie or the TV series that you're making is good. Don't don't squander the goodwill that you have with your fans because the fans will come back and bite you in the ass and they will tell you we did not like secret invasion we did not like ant-man you know and uh so i i think maybe that they got the hint a little bit uh because uh, marvel has kind of held back a little bit from their you know their next phase and uh, they've kind of brought the tv series down a little bit uh because they were kicking them out like crazy
0: yeah i was, I was gonna say do you think do you think perhaps one of the prop like one of the reasons for a decline in quality is the increase in turnaround time like ever 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 since um they launched disney plus in i think 2019 there has been just i mean Aside from the break in production because of COVID, there has been just a barrage of, and I I really hate to use this term, but content, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm wondering if in recent years these uh, studio executives have depersonalized the the um, movies and TV shows, making them feel more disposable as opposed to something. Something that feels like a labor of love?
2: I think you're absolutely correct in that. Um, These shows are, for the most part, disposable. Um, The last, I want to say the last good Marvel show I saw that was kind of not even, um, wasn't even on my radar when I first heard about it was Hawkeye. I thought that was a well done show and it surprised me because i was like you know hawkeye's not a really great character you know he's got a bow and arrow you know what what are you gonna do with that and they created a show with another character uh, kate bishop who was in the comics um and they made that show fun and i was very very surprised by it um i didn't i haven't watched miss marvel I've heard it's a de- decent show, but it. I think it was too rushed. And I think that they're trying to, Marvel is trying to grab every demographic that they can. And I think they're just trying, with that world, they're trying too hard. Because now that they've got the Marvels that is coming out in November, that movie, from what I understand, is only an hour and a half, which is probably, I think it's the second shortest marvel movie so that sets off my alarm bells right there and i don't think it's going to do very well uh, i think they rushed it i think they tried to put too many characters into it uh th- they're suffering right now from the same thing that like the batman and robin or the batman franchise in the in the 90s kind of suffered for you you're trying to cram in too many characters into one show or one movie and it backfires because you don't have enough time to set up all the characters that you want to address um some movies do it great guardians of the galaxy great great movie sets up a lot of characters um but but james gunn gave equal time to building up that movie and, and building up those those characters um I have to say the first movie was great second movie not so much the third one he redeemed himself it it was a good way to close out the, the trilogy um but then again you have creatives and i'm not talking on the executive side i'm talking on my side basically um who i don't think have the feel for the material if that makes any sense they may be fans of it but what they bring to it, they're trying to bring something different, which is, which is fine. Um, But sometimes you miss the mark. And I'm not saying you have to be like a true, true, deep down driven fan. But again, you want to serve your fan base and make something good. And and sometimes it just doesn't work
0: out. I I always say there's like, there's like a Venn diagram between being like, being a fan of the material, and then just in general being a good writer, and in my opinion, the best the best movies and shows of the genre are the ones that are right in the middle.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, let's take James Gunn for example. Uh, he did wonders with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think he totally missed the mark on Suicide Squad, um, and that's my opinion others might disagree with me but i think he was more of a fan of guardians than i think he was of suicide squad um i'm very curious what he will do with dc the new you know dc um i i i pray that something good comes out of it but again i'm i'm old school christopher reed was my superman michael keaton was my batman um yeah so you know those those old school is what i like and and i I probably more than likely will never like any of the new dc stuff because of being old school like that now with marvel it's a different story because you know we didn't have marvel growing up but i mean we did but they were really really bad like the amazing spider-man was a guy in a cotton suit with webs coming out of you know fake webs coming out of his his wrists or whatever yeah uh, so you know my my original or my first spider man was toby Mo- toby mcguire which i thought he was excellent and each spider-man or each actor who has played spider-man since has been an improvement in my opinion on the previous whereas the dc characters each superman has been worse each batman has been worse um so yeah it's it's Whatever uh, substance, it, it, you know it. It it right now. I feel like Clint Eastwood and Grant Torino get off my lawn. You know, <laughs> um, and that's just because I feel that I grew up in the best superhero times, and I just I don't feel that way right now. So, I mean, there are certain things I feel great about in the superhero world, like Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Iron Man. There's nobody else right. who could have crushed that, and there's nobody else who I would want have wanted to have crushed that. And it's great because Hollywood gave him a second chance, which does not come very often. That man was in prison for like a couple of years, had a drug problem, um, but was a great actor, great actor, great singer. And he finally got his head on straight and they gave him a second chance and he knocked the ball out of the park. And those are the types of stories that you want to see, you know, um these days there are a lot of hollywood people music people who have gone off the path um i i would love to give them to give them a second chance the thing of it is is robert downey jr put in the work yeah and the people these days who have gone off the path don't want to put in the work to come back they want their music their hollywood to hand them the silver platter and say you know please come back they don't want to put in the work though and i think that's what's missing in across the board uh, the studios don't want to put in the work they just want to see the money uh-huh. you know right they just they just want to go oh here we'll we'll give you this little thing go off and write and make us more money well no pay us what we're worth because we create your content and we make you that money. Now, if you want to pay us, you know, a measly crumb, sure, we can give measly work back. And you can make maybe half the money you're making. You know? Um, it's it's a slippery slope, either way you look at it.
0: Yeah, it, go, it goes back to what you said earlier about instant gratification, that any anything that, for example, doesn't make a billion dollars is automatically written off as a failure or if if a tv show doesn't bring in stranger things numbers and yes. speaking of numbers i th- I think that's another thing that i can only imagine is frustrating that these streaming services are are not being they're, they're not being transparent with with their analytics it's so bad how
2: they're trying to cover up how many viewers are watching a certain show. Now, sometimes in the case of Suits, things like that will slip out, uh, you know, into into Deadline or Variety or Hollywood Reporter where Suits was just watched by, you know, or a billion minutes or whatever, or by however many viewers that is insane. And, you know, it's like their top show for three weeks straight or whatever the case may be. Uh, the fact is, with that specific example, Suits stopped airing on USA Network in 2019. Netflix has it. It's become massively successful. Could be in part to Meghan Markle marrying the prince, uh, but I don't think it's that. I think it's it was a well-written show, and pe- more people are, are discovering it because it's on Netflix. But... When you look at that success and you look at the writers who wrote on that show, you look at the actors who acted in that show, the residuals that they're making are non-existent. If that show was syndicated to TBS, TNT, still on USA, or anywhere else on a cable or a network, writers would be getting paid, actors would be getting paid residuals. And they those people involved with that show would be able to pay their rent, would be able to pay their mortgage, would be able to put food on the table for their families. When it goes to streaming, people, uh, workers, get hurt. They really do. Um, just the other day, uh, Entertainment Tonight was interviewing Aaron Paul, famously from Breaking Bad. Now, to say that Aaron Paul was doing you know horrible financially, I don't know. You know. I'm sure he's doing fine. But what was interesting was that he spoke on the fact that, yes, Breaking Bad is one of Netflix's most popular shows. He doesn't see a cent of residuals from all the views that Breaking Bad gets. That is ridiculous. It's ridiculous because if he's not seeing any money, the writers aren't seeing any money, the guest stars who are in it and only get paid maybe 3000 to $5,000 for the short time that they worked on the show you know which may might have been a week or you know a couple of days whatever the case may be they're not seeing any more money for, from it um so again those guest actors who are probably in the what is it 85% of SAG actors who don't make the big bucks you know they they make enough to get their health care paid for and keep kind of living as you know an actor hopefully not having to take up two or three more jobs just to you know keep living in california los angeles which is has the highest uh living uh living area in in the country so you know it 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 just boggles the mind it really does
0: Mm -hmm. what what bothers me even more is when you actually take a look at what what like members of the wga are asking for at at no point um does that like um like at at no point would that have impacted studios bottom line like i think they were asking for like less than two percent yes if even if even that yeah
2: and if you look and read the trades which i'm sure you do um Warner Brothers says, Oh, we're, you know, as of right now, we're going to lose 300 to 500 million for because of the strike. And if they would have settled with a contract that was fair to everybody, number one, they wouldn't have lost that money. Number two, they would have made more than that in the long run. And number three, everybody would be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so what you're saying is, Oh, we're bummed that we lost 300 to 500 million so far well if you keep going the way you're going right now you're going to lose more and you could have you know you could have you know put a bandage on the wound not a band-aid yeah. but a bandage and you know cut it off and and saved yourself from getting your leg amputated if you know what i mean you know it's like mm-hmm. you're shooting yourself in the foot when you didn't really have to shoot yourself in the foot you know and it, You would think that executives would understand this, but for some reason they don't. Some reason they think that we're asking for more than we deserve. Uh, The the people who are asking for more than they deserve are the top executives themselves. Yeah. You know, they're the only. Well, I shouldn't say only, but because there are a number of companies out there where the company will pay their CEO a huge bonus. For saving them money when they're already making an extremely exorbitant sum of money just for their salary. Bob Iger made, I think, I want to say he got like a $25 million bonus from either 25 or 27, but yeah, it's, it's roughly in that area. And the man makes, I think, $250 million a year or in the life of his contract or whatever the case may be. So you're asking him to cut $7,000, 7,000 jobs from Disney. That means laying off people to save, uh, I think the number was seven to five or five to 7 billion for the company. So let's see, I'm gonna make, uh, 250 million over four years, but, and I'm gonna take, you know, my 25 million bonus year. I'm gonna cut people's jobs and put people out of work and, and you see how ridiculous and mind-boggling that is um i mean don't even get me started about you know how let's give the 25 million bonus to teachers across the country who you know need a a, a more than better living wage to teach our children you know i mean let's uh, again the priorities are screwed up and it it doesn't have to be this way it really, really doesn't. I, I, I wish I could tell you how we could get to a better place, um, but I don't know what it. I don't. I don't know what it takes. I know that uh, major stars these days don't get the pay that they once got. If you look at Schwarzenegger, he's no longer making thirty to forty million for a film like he used to back in his heyday. You know, Jim Carrey no longer makes twenty to thirty million dollars a film um stallone no longer gets that type of money for his films uh not to say that you know those movies don't pull in money i mean they kind of do depending on how the studios want to look at a successful film um but the big payday for actors doesn't really happen anymore they may get you know 15 20 million or they may get the back end uh your tom cruise yes he commands his 30 million upfront, whatever the case may be, but he also gets a back end. So he ends up making like a hundred million. So it still happens, but if you look at the number of big time actors who used to get the big paydays back in the eighties and the nineties, they're no longer getting that. However, the studio executives are still getting their big paydays for quote unquote, saving the company. Um, Bob Iger has more money than God. He didn't need to come back and save Disney. Uh, while uh, Zasloff, David Zasloff from Warner Brothers. Uh, I, I weep for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is one of my favorite studios. I loved working at at that studio, and I have this feeling he's gonna run that studio into the ground. Um, and it's 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 sad because I mean he laid off a lot of people because of Discovery and Warner Brothers merging. Uh, in order to save money, again, you know, Wall Street, let, we we have to cater to Wall Street. We want to make sure, you know, the numbers uh, come in so that all of our investors in Wall Street are happy and stuff like that. Well, let's think about the working man. Let's think about our customers who, you know, they work their nine to five jobs. They work 60 to 80 hours a week trying to provide for their families. How about we think about those people for a change, you know? Um again, going back to the 80s, greed is good. Sometimes greed is not good. Sometimes doing what's best for each other is is a lot better for humanity as a whole. And I don't mean to get too philosophical, but um, it comes back around to, you know, to the strike and for actors and for writers who are asking for a livable wage. Um, Because, price the cost of living is skyrocketing not only in california but everywhere
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um even in my hometown of peoria you know uh it's definitely cheaper to live there than it is in los angeles (laughs) but let's let's be honest you know prices are going up everywhere um it's it's you know to to say that you can buy a a house for under a hundred thousand dollars anymore i mean you can in some certain areas but it's It's not as prevalent as it used to be. Let's just put it that way. Almost non-existent. Exactly. Um, And, you know, for SAG, for SAG-AFTRA, one of the most ridiculous things I heard coming out of their negotiations with the AMPTP is regarding the use of AI. Mm. Yes. They wanted to be able... Now, I've I've worked as a background actor on numerous shows, most uh, famously WandaVision. Um, I am in the first uh, frame, I think it's of the second or third episode, as the ice cream man. I'm delivering ice cream to Wanda and Vision. And great work that was. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Um, but going back to AI, what the studios want to be able to do is say, well, we'll pay you for a half a day where we can scan your body and use your likeness in a show in perpetuity, it's nuts. They don't it, even want to pay you a full. They don't even want to pay you a full day. They want to pay you half a day's wage, and then say, "Screw you! We're not going to pay you anything else for your likeness for the rest of time."
0: It goes back to what I said about the depersonalization of and of arts and entertainment. They're essentially taking the art away from art.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And and here's the crazy thing. You want to know what started this all music music companies have screwed over bands in the past 10 to 15 years by going to streaming they've cut off radio play for pretty much unless you're a big artist you're not getting any play on radio you're just not how when's the last time you heard of a new artist really exploding on the radio you know unless you're like taylor swift um you know she makes the big money but all the bands that are coming up all the bands that want to be you know the next Rolling Stones the next Beatles the next Springsteen whatever the case may be where are these bands these groups you can't find them unless for you know some strange reason they get a chance on American Idol and even that's another uh, thing for another show because in my opinion American Idol has dumbed down society so much that everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame and everybody wants to be an artist. And that's great. If you have a dream to be an artist, go chase it, you know? But not everybody is meant to be an artist. Not everybody's meant to be a singer. Not everybody's meant to be an actor. Not everybody's meant to be a writer. Um, It's, I don't wanna say it's something that you're born with because you can learn to write. You can learn to act. But it's our society has put so much emphasis on being famous that it's really hurting other um, vocations. You know, when's the last time you heard somebody say, I want to be a welder or I want to, you know, I want to be an auto mechanic or I want to, you know, do something, uh, build tractors, you know, for Caterpillar or John Deere um it, you just don't hear about that anymore you hear oh i want to be the next taylor swift i want to be you know uh the next uh who's a ezra miller that's a horrible uh <laughs> a horrible example but you know what i mean uh you know yeah, everybody right. wants their 15 minutes of fame and and of course and w- it's it's a slippery slope that we're going down because we need teachers we need uh you know, trade workers. We need plumbers. We need you know infrastructure workers. You know, people to work on bridges and 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 everything like that. And uh, it's hard to find those people to do that type of stuff these days.
0: Would, would you say that social media, particularly like YouTube and TikTok, has sort of led to, I guess, a decline in the like blue collar kind of trade work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: You'll you'll find you'll find a teenager more apt to spend their time creating TikTok videos or creating content for YouTube than which is sometimes a waste of time because it's very rare that the content that they create will be successful. You will have your uh what's it Jake Paul Jake yeah. Logan Yeah Jake and Logan Paul the Paul brothers Jake and Logan Paul yeah yep made a ton of content became very successful i want to say the reason why they became very successful is they knew how to market it not a lot of people know how to market their particular brand or create a brand to market um so you know everybody wants to be the next Jake or Logan Paul so they'll spend countless hours on TikTok or YouTube filming something, creating content, you know, instead of spending their time learning about something that can give them a long career in the future, Um, give them, you know, in a sense, happiness, because I'll be honest with you, making a ton of money is not going to make you happy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I recently moved into a house a two-bedroom one-bathroom house in march uh and even though i'm on strike and not making any money it's the happiest i've been in a long time and you know i'm i'm struggling to get by just like everybody else right now is because of the strike um but i know that the career path that i'm on and that i've been on for the past 20 years makes me happy um i don't you know i i don't make $500,000 a year. I don't even make anywhere near that. And do I, would I love to? Sure. I mean, you know, if someone's going to pay me, you know, a bunch of money to to write a show and, and to be the creative in charge of, you know, stuff like that, that'd be a dream come true. But money isn't always the answer. It's being paid what you're worth and being able to make
1: other people happy in my opinion. So, as far as you know, from that writer's mentality and with these uh, uns- with these times of uncertainty, Randy, um, the one thing that I like to think about, as far as as far as and from any walk of life, is like moving forward and and staying grounded and knowing one's value. How do how does in these in these crazy times or overall, like how does someone like yourself really? What do they think about Is and reminding themselves to remain grounded in moving and moving forward in the case of one's value? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it does. Um,
2: first things first, you need to surround yourself with a good group of, of friends. You need to surround yourself with good people, people that, number one, support you. Uh, number two, uh, you know, will be there during those tough times, especially during a strike, um, yeah. friends, family. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's tough too, because, you know, some people don't have a great family life or, you know, some people, uh, people who are introverted, especially during the strike, find it very hard to reach out and ask for help. Um, so, you know, and, and, and if you're, if you're that type of person, please reach out to anybody, somebody. Uh, whether, you know, it's, it's the hotlines that you hear so much about um, because mental health, especially with the strike, is a big, big thing. Um, a lot of people, not only writers and actors, but uh, below the line workers, uh, anybody, you know, caterers who, you know, provide food for the sets, um, you know, your assistants who answer the phones. All these people are being affected by the strike and they need friends and family or people to check in on them, make sure that they're doing okay. Um, and so that's where the values come in. Um, you have to care and you have to uh, not only take care of yourself, but reach out and take care of other people. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I recently uh, have come back into my Catholic faith. And have started going to church again um which has helped a lot uh you know trust me there there are definitely times when it's difficult to have faith especially with all the stuff that is going on in the world not just the strike um you know war in ukraine uh natural disasters in hawaii and uh, morocco with the earthquake just yesterday uh it's 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 very difficult to keep that faith in God, or with any religious figure, or whoever you pray to, or or whatever. Um, But when it comes right down to it, you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep your eye on the ball, as they say. And it's, it's tough. But you wake up the next morning, at least I do. I say, thank you, God, for, you know, another day, uh you know, give me the strength to get through this. I know it's not easy. I know you're gonna be walking there beside me. Um, and I just I put my faith in that. And yeah, I I hope that people can do that. Uh because the way I look at it is tomorrow, by the grace of God, I'm gonna wake up, the sun's gonna shine, or it's gonna be a cloudy day, whatever the case may be, but life is gonna go on. And I'm not gonna wallow in self-pity. Because there's a strike going on. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity because, um, you know, I may have a problem in my own life, whether it be, you know, a fight with a friend or a family member or something. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing because there's so much left in my life that I want to do. And no matter what obstacle is put before me, it's, it'll only be there for a little bit. Because I'm going to push my way past that obstacle. I'm going to find my way around it. I'm going to knock the walls down. I'm going to open that door. And there'll be another obstacle. You know, there'll be another thing that'll get in my way. But if, if I don't have that faith in God or that faith in myself, then yeah, I might as well call it quits. So I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is no matter how tough it is, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep pushing. Because eventually, and I firmly believe this, eventually you'll break through. You'll get to where you need to go. I've been trying to be a paid writer or a produced writer for over 20 years. And, you know, there are people that make it overnight. There are people who make it halfway, you know, through. There are people who don't make it until they're, you know, 80 years old, you know. But here's the difference. Those people kept going. I remember when I, I was living with a roommate of mine, um, I want to say about 10 or 15 years ago now, uh, he would tell me stories about how his friends had come out to Los Angeles and they were pursuing whatever dream that they wanted to be, whether it be an actor, writer, singer, director. And he would tell me that, yeah, after a year, they, they gave up and they moved home. And he would always say, you know, wow, you've been out here however long and, and you're still going. And number one, I'm proud of you. And number two, you've got, you know, way more hootspot than, than they did for, for sticking it out so long. And, and, you know, I've had my share of ups and downs in Hollywood, but I haven't made my goal yet. Come close, come very, very close. Um, but I'm not there yet. And even when I get there, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to surpass my goal. But no, when I reach my goal, I want to continue in that goal. But I also want to help other people achieve their goals. You know, I want to be the produced writer, you know, the showrunner of a show that helps out those below me, because I've come into contact with people in that higher echelon who haven't helped me. And it hasn't you know, gotten me down. It just means that it's not my time yet, but eventually it will be my time and I'm going to help people because that's just the type of person I am. I want to help people. I want to, I want to see people succeed just like I want to see the writers succeed in their contract negotiations and the actors succeed in their uh, contract negotiations. I'm actually SAG eligible. So I could join SAG and I could be part of that union. Um, and I, I got that through working on Gray's Anatomy this past year. Um, nice. So, nice. yeah, I'm, I definitely want to join SAG. $3,000 is a lot for a uh, initiation fee, though. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it comes back to values. You know, it, it comes back to what kind of person are you and what kind of person do you want to be? And what kind of person do you want to reflect into society, into, you know, people that you don't know. And, and yeah, man, it's so simple how easy it is to be good to somebody versus how easy it is to be bad to somebody. It's a, it's a simple choice. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the studios, the studios can end the strike right now. They can end it right now. They could, they could call up the AMPTP and say, all right, you know what, let's do it let's do it let's let's give the actors what they want let's give the writers what they want we're still gonna make a lot of money either way you know right but they won't do it they want to hold steadfast and say no we'll lose money we'll lose 300 to 500 million that's okay but what they don't realize is they're losing in the long run sure we'll go back to work with these guys once the once the strike is over um and you know we'll play ball we'll write the shows and we'll, you know, be cordial, but in the back of our mind, it's just you guys hurt us for no reason other than money, mm-hmm. other than the bottom line.
0: Yeah, it's there. There's there's really only one way for this to end, and ev- everyone knows it. But who who knows? Like who who knows how long they will keep 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 their heels like planted firmly in into the ground before they you know before stocks plummet before they lose even more hundreds of millions of dollars all all of this could have easily been prevented i i think the best for for me at least the best visual representation of what is happening to these studios is i don't know if you if you've seen um the prince of egypt or know the story of exodus i oh, do yeah yes oh yeah. yes like, like pretty, pretty much the strikes to me are best personified by the 10 plagues, mm-hmm. some, something that they could have, they could have prevented. Had they just done the one thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, when it comes right down to it, we are not asking that much from them, from their profits. I mean, they you can go on variety, you can go on and, you know, deadline, whatever there's articles about it that tells you what they're asking for versus the profit that the companies have made and how small of a fraction of a percentage it is and when it comes right down to it you know they're losing they're losing money and and how can you how can you go to your investors who have already asked you to cut billions of dollars and say oh well yeah we did that but we're still losing money it's like they're bleeding out right now Uh and they don't want to stop the bleeding when they can stop the bleeding and uh, I, you know, I hope it doesn't go on for much longer because it's really hurting, uh, good people in Los Angeles who are losing their homes, uh, having, it's funny. I I wrote this on uh, Twitter the other day, um, that I have seen a lot of my friends in Los Angeles post things on Facebook that they're selling. And I'd never seen this before They're you know, they're selling freaking their ellipticals, you know? trying to get some extra money to either you know pay their rent or you know put food on their table or something like that i hadn't seen that i've never seen that you know and it's sad because it's this is an expensive city to live in man and the studios are hurting people and they just don't care they just don't care when they did we'd be able to move forward Mm -hmm.
1: you would think you would think. I united in the common interest, if only if only if only green minds could come together and be that be that collective innocent, no matter what, it's what that's what that's what we all want at the end of the day. Well, see, that's what art is supposed
2: to be. Art is supposed to be exactly. a collective, you know, it's supposed to be a collection of ideas and values. But for the studios these days, the only value is money. The only value is making a profit. And they can say, oh, well, we lost money on the flash. Okay, you lost money on the flash. You could have marketed it better. You could have, you know, uh, put it out on, you know, physical media, which I think it is on physical media. But uh, if you look in the past and you look to what has worked in the past, I think you might want to take. A lesson from what worked in the past, because what is working right now actually isn't working. It really isn't. Um, this is this is so old school, but it's funny. So when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981, that movie played in theaters for over a year. Over, I think it was even close to almost like a year and a half. Today movies are gone in a matter of weeks if it doesn't make the money they pull it from the theaters and even if a movie makes billions of dollars like barbie barbie will still be in the theaters for probably maybe another month month and a half but when is the last time you can honestly say that you saw a movie in a theater six to eight months from when it was released it's 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 rare, kind of it's rare. No, yeah, yeah it doesn't happen anymore and yeah and and again going back into television er at the height of its success pulled in 30 million viewers on a thursday night 30 million viewers it was like the the, i think the ratings was in like maybe the 20s and you don't see that anymore you don't see a, a show have that many viewers in one evening anymore because we've got so many other things that people can do people can go youtube People can tick tock. Um, it was great in the old days because when you saw an episode next day, you went in the office and talked about it with other people. That's yeah. why they called it water, cool, water, cooler television. Yep. You know, you gathered around the water cooler and you talked about the night's previous show. Now, Oh, let's just drop everything in one, in one day streaming. Yeah. You can have a streaming party. You know, you can stay up late and watch the show and be tired the next day, you know, But hey, maybe, you know, your friend hasn't seen that show. So are you really talking about it? No, you're kind of, well, or if you are, you know, you're spoiler alert. You just ruined the whole entire thing. So now I don't want to see it because you just spoiled it for me. You know, it's so in in returning to your question, has social media killed things? Yeah, social media has. Um, Everybody, you know, everybody has their own opinion now these days, whether it be good or bad, you know. uh, people can get canceled these days for saying the wrong thing for you know for something that was innocuous you know they didn't mean what they said it just was a passing thing it's not the person that they normally are and you wouldn't even know the person that you they normally are because you don't even know them at all you haven't exactly. been around them in certain situations and they're and people say well if they said it there must be some sort of truth to what they said
0: how do you know
2: maybe they were just again locker room talk which is again uh, a whole thing that we we can't even you know say anymore we can't joke around with people anymore people don't have the skin the rhino skin to a tom petty song uh to take things and just brush them off you know every it's it's a big deal now if you say something to somebody or if you offend somebody um people people are, are are
0: weak they're so frail, you know everyone is turned into glass houses, yes, yes. It, here's a perfect example.
2: um so Spain won this women's Spain team won the won the cup, yeah, and during the celebrations, the what the leader gave a kiss to the one player yeah um now this is a whole big thing, which in my personal opinion, he didn't mean anything by that kiss. It was celebratory. It wasn't like he was trying to assault her. People get people get caught up in, in the moment in more random things than that. It, it was not meant to be harassing. It was not meant to be an assault. It was meant to be congratulations. I kissed you on the lips and that's it. Drop it. It was a momentary thing, but now You know the coach got fired this the guy who kissed the athlete has been suspended the the woman who got kissed is bringing an an assault charge when okay maybe she didn't want to kiss on the lips maybe you know it was you know uncalled for sure if it was uncalled for it was uncalled for and fine drop it move on with your life really move there are so many more important things than you know getting a kiss from a guy after you win the world cup now if he felt her up if he reached for her private parts or something like that now you gotta yeah that's come on but a small peck on the cheek or not cheek but a small peck on the lips and you want to blow it into this big humongous thing like he assaulted you come on guys come on our priorities are out of whack they they really are you know and 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 who knows maybe someone will listen to this podcast and i'll be canceled because i'm voicing an opinion but uh you know it's an opinion if you don't like my opinion change the channel and that's the great thing about tv movies music if you don't like it don't watch it don't listen to it don't purchase it you have a choice. Everybody has a choice, but everybody right now in these days is like, well, I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to hear that and it offends me. So I think I should fight back against that. Why? Why are you trying to make a mountain out of a molehill? You know, because they want fame. They want to be the person. Oh, I canceled so-and-so, you know, unless you have done something truly despicable, like your Harvey Weinstein, you know, or your Danny Masterson, who just got 30 years to life for raping two women come on those are the things we should worry, we we should be worrying about not oh the executive of the spain soccer committee kissed me on the lips after we you know because we won the world cup or whatever
0: um bring, bringing us back to the strikes um yes spe- let's speak <laughs> speaking speaking of infighting and priorities out of whack um something that kind of has bothered me a little bit is there there has been a little bit of infighting when it comes to you know sag and you know what what you can do what you can't do while the strike is in progress and I've I've seen I've seen too many debates of like you know the difference between critics and influences and influencers or and like um you know a lot of people misusing the word scab uh to mean something that it doesn't and i think right and i think all all of that is distracting from you know what's important which is fighting back against the amptp for you know fair wages protection against ai you know the important stuff
2: yes yes um if it were up to me if i were leading the the cause um it would be a full work stoppage everywhere. No no interim agreements, nothing. No promoting your film, no going to TIFF, no going to, to uh, the Venice Film Festival. It would be, we're done until we get a fair contract. And the reason I believe in that is because, granted, I want people to work, obviously, but it doesn't show, in my opinion, solidarity. If you let your actors... Or filmmakers keep making content at this point for even if it's for you know independent producers um, because at the end of the strike you're going to sell that to somebody and you're either going to sell it to a studio or you're going to sell it to a streamer and so they are going to be they are going to reap the benefits of what you've worked on during the strike and I don't want any studio or streamer to get any benefits out of any work at all until the strike is done and so i would say no no interim agreements with anybody you're striking and that's it you're you're not gonna promote anything you know you, uh and i don't think that the people who are working now are scabs because they're working under the interim agreement but it it doesn't reflect kindly in my opinion um the people who who Do not promote their stuff like some actors went to uh, Tiff and uh, had their movies shown there and whatnot. Um, Anna Kendrick had her directorial debut there. She did not go out and, uh, you know, hit the talks or hit the the interview circuits. And that makes me happy because she's standing in solidarity and uh, that 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 shows a real commitment. And I respect that. And that had to be tough because not only I think does she act in it, but she's also the director. Yep. So this, this is her you know, directorial debut. And yeah, it's your directorial debut, you know?
0: Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's where I stand on that. So as we, as we sort of wrap this up, um, any, any, um, closing thoughts from, from anyone here? I'm actually having a good time. You guys
2: are awesome. I could I could go on talking for another hour, but, uh,
0: Hopefully I haven't I haven't said anything to offend anybody. Um I I personally don't think so. I think this has been a pretty kosher conversation overall. Tommy, would you agree with that?
1: Yep, absolutely. We have an open door policy here at Renegade Marquee, Randy. So you can so doors open, doors open for you to come back anytime you'd like. Tom's like, I can't
2: believe I'm related to that guy. Oh man.
1: <laughs> I Dude. know, right?
2: The it's only crazy. reason I like
1: him is because he's a Notre
2: Dame fan and um, <laughs> about it
1: that's right yep coming from this coming from the same cloth and you know the power of faith and dice of P- dice of peoria where faith is everything you know talking exactly. about that's right exactly. yeah that's, that's suncoast video is that the one in northwood's wall
2: um i didn't work one. at that one i worked uh but yeah that's it's the same company yep um yeah i, I worked for them when i mo- when i first moved out here to california and nice. i actually became an assistant manager of one um before i really started working in hollywood Nice. and you know i mean it's retail you know it, right. it paid the bills uh you know while i was uh in my infancy of of you know trying to make it out here um yeah. but i mean you know i've worked on a number of shows over my 20-year career so far uh that have been great to work on that you know who that have taught me a lot uh i got to work, work with tom hanks on greyhound uh, a couple of years ago which was an amazing experience um I've obviously acting in WandaVision, you know, another great experience. Um, so to say, you know, I've been successful, you know, um, but I'm still working towards it. You know, I'm, I'm still working towards that that ultimate goal of writing for television. Uh, and so, you know, I stand out there with my brothers and sisters at the WGA uh, and I walk that picket line because they are fighting for me and not only for themselves, but for me and for other Uh, People who want to write and who want to be a part of the WGA, they're fighting for those fair wages for those people. And it's very commendable um, because the salary for a writer has dropped in the past 10 years by 14 percent. 14 percent. That's a lot. Yeah. And thank you know, because not thankful, but because of streamers, um, you no longer have your 22 episodes. And you have between six and eight and a writer's room for a six and eight episode show is a lot smaller than it was for a 22 episode show. Yeah, they, so they call means, they call
0: mini rooms now. Mini
2: rooms, exactly. So that means, you know, you, you maybe have one staff writer, uh, you know, maybe an executive story editor and the rest are filled with, you know, your producers, consultants and EPs. So the lower level writers... If they're lucky enough to work on one of those shows that maybe last three to four months and they may not get another job on a show for a year so you made you know maybe forty thousand dollars off that project in california los angeles you think you're going to live off forty thousand dollars for the year <laughs> absolutely not no not close but you know 14 15 years ago when the shows were big you could start at the bottom a writer And if you got on a show that was 22 episodes and lasted for a couple of seasons, you could rise up through the ranks, become a co-EP, become an executive producer, possibly even a showrunner. But now, where's the new showrunner going to come from if all we're looking at is six to eight episodes and the show gets, you know, maybe two seasons, if that, you know, where where are the new people, how are they going to, Number one, have a lasting uh, career in writing, but how are they going to move up the ladder? You no, know? it's it's kind of the same thing for me in post. I've been in post for over 20 years and I'm I'm on the cusp of becoming an associate producer, which I can start earning some good money at that point, which mind you, people in post, except for editors and assistants, are not part of a union. So we are freelance workers, basically making the money that the studios want to give us versus having a union fighting for us to make a decent living wage so i totally understand where the writers are coming from as far as uh they say that they have it's become a gig uh economy for them uh because it really has and but i've been living gig from gig to gig ever since i've been out here so i i totally understand what they're fighting for and um, i'll be right there with them
0: Indeed, the le- the last thing I have to say before we wrap this up is at the at the end of the day, I I just want I want everyone to be treated fairly, whether that's you know with comp like compensation that's fair, or be- just the, just tr- treat treated with respect and empathy. And all of that and i'm i'm glad i'm glad we had to have this conversation this was both fun and enlightening well thank you no i i you know i I want the same
2: thing to for people to be treated fairly um they deserve it number one because it's writing is not easy by any stretch of the imagination um you know you stare at a blank computer screen and sometimes it comes easily sometimes it you know it takes hours and hours and hours to get, you know, a scene written. Um, but when you create something like that, and you can see it up on the big screen, it and know that it touched people in some way, whether it made them laugh, made them cry, uh, inspired them to want to become a writer, inspired them to be a better person. Um, know that that has value. And that value should be reciprocated by the studios and the streamers. And I hope that they realize that and, and they come to their senses and um,
0: bring us a fair deal,
2: because that's all
0: we're asking for. And I said it better myself. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get out of here, Randy, where can people find you online? Oh, wow. Um, I'm on
2: Instagram, Twitter, facebook um yeah all the all, all the normal places yeah awesome uh, and i can i can send you that information if you if you need me to and you guys can follow me or whatever the case
1: may be and absolutely. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah yeah
1: and tommy where can everyone find you you can follow me on X, uh, aka the website formerly known as Twitter, at T underscore Hughes35, YouTube, Instagram, Letterboxd, Snapchat, Linktree, at the T Money35. Be sure to follow me on my second Instagram dedicated to cooking at Cooking with T Money. And be sure to check out faceofhorror.org slash 2023 slash Thomas Hughes and vote for yours truly to become Rue Morgue Magazine's next face of horror. One vote per day helps get me past the first die, the first to die round. And you can also donate in the name of multiple votes. With proceeds benefiting the Andrew McDonough B Plus Foundation, which is the largest provider of financial assistance to families in the fight against childhood cancer. Please donate. Think of those kids. It's for a good cause. And apologies to Matt Donato. We ran out of time. <laughs>
0: and you guys can find me on various social media at Captain K 42 You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and the social media Network, formerly known as Twitter, at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Culture. Listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. In Escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Marquee. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.